Welcome to our first ever Zing Learning podcast titled A Conversation With, a podcast where we get together with inspiring individuals once a fortnight to chat about what they're doing in their careers and to explore conversations around enhancing equality, diversity, inclusion, and belonging for everyone. Each fortnight, we will dive into a key topic, talk about things that interest us, and ask for some advice and top tips to create inclusive workspaces for all types of people. In our first podcast of series one, we are very excited to be joined by the incredible human that is Ash Bartholomew. We're going to discuss his transition journey, how his organisation supports him, plus he will be sharing advice and suggestions to help enhance inclusion and embed belonging for other business leaders. So grab a cuppa, kick back and enjoy the podcast. Hey Ash, we have been friends for a long time. We've been on holiday together at Long Live Villa Terry in Portugal um, and the many fun times that we have had uh, are countless of course but actually during our friendship um, you have gone through lots of really great things. So you've started a family, you've made impressive moves in your career um, and also you have transitioned. So I kind of wanted to talk to you today a little bit about all of those things and actually, I think if we kind of get started with your career in general, that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and your experience? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a product manager now, uh, but I came into the creative industry through design. Um, so I've been um, I've been in products for about five years. And then before that, I was a designer for about 10 years. Um, and I kind of found my way into products um, kind of, I, I suppose, starting off with visual design and then wanting to get a bit more into the user experience because I like the idea of getting underneath the behaviours of people and then um, from there moving in more into product because I get to make lots of dis- decisions, I guess, <laughs> right or wrongly. But, yeah, and I get to do all of the things I enjoy doing, talking to, to users and trying to create products that, um, you know, they want to use and that are successful for, for my clients. Yeah, and I, it's really funny because I've known you for a really long time and it, it's only really been recently that I've understood, well, I say understood your job. I, I probably still don't really understand your job, but <laughs> to really get to grips with it. And obviously I only found out recently that you you got to work on uh, the Joe Wicks um, app, which mm-hmm. obviously everybody probably knows about. So that's very cool. I obviously know some of the other really big kind of apps that you've worked on and things like that. So I've just found it really fascinating getting to know your experience a little bit more um before we kind of get into some of the other things what's kind of been the highlight with regards to your career so far I think it probably is that you know working on on Joe Wicks's body coach app I mean it's it's given not only has it allowed me to you know really flesh out all of my skills in the product space but also you know I was featured as um in the Apple's developer uh, developer of the month I think it was um mm-hmm. you know for you know they were calling out LGBT um uh, people in the in the industry and so that was a great moment to be featured in that uh, but also it's just been a great project with great clients and I've just learned so much and I feel like from my perspective so long as I feel like I'm learning something and you know um yeah learning new skills then I feel like I'm doing a good job so yeah it's been great 
That's excellent. And it's really funny because you're, you're kind of preaching to the converted here. I'm obviously massive on learning. So I love talking to people that, that do that with their career. And I have noticed anybody that I speak to in the kind of working world that tends to be quite successful in their roles, they tend to be that kind of forever learner. They tend mm-hmm. to have that growth mindset. So, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, that that's kind of how you look at it. Definitely not. Yeah, I think that's how I've ended up moving from, you know, sort of like career to career because, you know, I feel like I always want to be learning something else. And if I ever feel like I'm starting to stagnate a little bit, I'm like, oh, what's the next thing, you know, I could move mm. into? So, yeah, um, I think that's how I ended up where I am now. Yeah, yeah. And in a good place you are, definitely. You mentioned a second ago, um, which I, I obviously know about, and I was very proud when I saw it, about the the award that you got. Um, and I think you, you talk about the LGBT community there. So mm-hmm. it kind of brings us on to the conversation that we're, we're kind of having. Um, and the reason that we're having this conversation in the first place, of course, we want to talk about your career and want to talk about all the incredible things you've done. But actually, there's been some um, kind of invisible barriers uh, from you coming from the LGBT plus community um, and also the fact that you transitioned uh, in the last few years uh, mm-hmm. after being assigned female at birth. So let's talk a little bit about that and, and what your experience has been in the working world uh, around that in general. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I have been, you know, incredibly lucky on that front. Um, I have, you know, I've been in my current role for many years. Um, so, you know, I've worked with all of the people there Um before and after transition and and you know obviously it's an ongoing process it's never over um and I've had nothing but support from them and I haven't had any there hasn't been any friction at all they've been very supportive they've given me time off when I've needed it you know emotional support they are you know kind of like you know we work together so much we're, we're friends you know it's um you know and it's it's you know for, even from um you know I took some time off for surgery, for example, and I emailed the company to say, hey, I'm not going to be around for a few weeks, which I probably would never have done if I'd Mm. known, you know, knowing that they're supportive. And the response I got from that with everyone was just like, you know, amazing, really Mm. good. So I I count myself as very lucky because I know a lot of people don't have that same response. Um, And it's something that's just been, um, I've really appreciated with, with, with where I am now and the people I work with. Yeah, I think I think you like you say you you I hate the word lucky because I feel like we shouldn't we shouldn't that shouldn't be the case, right? This should be the standard. But unfortunately we we we're, we're miles away from that at the moment. But I do love this concept that actually there are employers and organizations out there that are genuinely doing the right thing by their people. Um and and I, I know this is going to be quite difficult because there's been so many fantastic things they've done. But is there anything that kind of sticks in your mind that kind of right at the start of you communicating your transition to people at work specifically? Is there anything that sticks in your mind with regards to, oh, OK, they, this might not be as hard as perhaps I've heard it is with this this organisation? Um. I'm not sure. Like, do do you mean like things I was maybe worried about that didn't actually happen? 
That yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. I think yeah. because a lot of people when when they're um when they're kind of in those early stages of a transition or perhaps they're in those stages of, of thinking about communicating it to friends or family or, or organizations and things like that. Um, you know, some people do have some real horror stories and yeah. and I think that I'm so grateful that you didn't have that. But was there like a pivotal moment with your employer that kind of made you think, Oh, actually maybe I'm not gonna have a horror story, maybe this is actually going to be much more pleasant for me yeah I think so I think with um you know getting prepared to tell people about these things was you know a massive thing for me to have to do I mean it took me 37 years or something to get around to it so you know obviously it it was a big deal and I think the first you know the for the very first thing I did was to tell my um, line manager and the managing director of the company. Um, I mean, my line manager was a good friend of mine anyway, so it just felt natural to tell her and then the managing director. And I remember I I, I sent an email um, not expecting a response. And I think within like 10 or 15 minutes, I got a response back from the MD saying, I just want to acknowledge this email. I'm going to write back to you properly, but this is amazing and we will support you. And from then on, I was like, okay, you know what? This is going to be okay. (laughs) And, you know, it's, um, and then we had some time together. We went for a coffee and then, you know, we talked about whether I could have time off and, you know, just to have, you know, certain things that um, I needed to do. And if I ever needed some uh, mental health breaks and things like that then then I that they were on offer to me so yeah I knew and I think the next um the next phase of it or the next stage of it I suppose was letting people just the general business everyone I worked with and yeah you know there's there's a good like 80 or so people in the company and that's that always had filled me with dread over the years I imagine yeah, sending that. An email to everybody mm. you've ever worked with and obviously there's a clients on the other because I work in a client side so I've worked with a lot of clients and they're not even part of our company but they would then also find out by the fact that we work together so that was huge to send that out um, and I think I wrote it out and I sat on it for a couple of days and I was like do I want to do this and and then I was like you know what I'm just going to do it and I did and the response was just amazing um so yeah and then think once I got that response and I had a bit of time off so I sent the email and think I was then off for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then by the time I came back um it was like everybody had accepted it and I was now you know they addressed me in the correct way and there've been a few slip-ups obviously but yeah. everyone has made such an amazing effort um so yeah but I think it was that real original response from the managing director when I was like okay you know um they've got my back and they're going to support me on this, which was, um, yeah, great. I love that. I, I love, I love, like, in my head when you were saying that, I was just thinking that person, your managing director was in a meeting, like a really important meeting that just popped up on their phone and they were like, actually, I can't, I can't let Ash sit on this and, and wait for, for a response. Let me just make sure they know that I, this is great. I'm just going to kind of get to it. I think that that's a real human approach. And I think mm-hmm. that sometimes managing directors and and CEOs whoever those kind of really really kind of senior people in organizations they feel like they need to be seen to be disconnected in some way to be looked at as professional and actually I think what you've just experienced and and what you've just shared shows how important that human aspect is 
Definitely, yeah. And I think actually, if anything, um, she's probably got tried to do her best to counteract that, you know, to make sure that uh, we have regular check-ins and on a human level, we have a relationship that is outside of the, you know, the hierarchy of business, for example. And I think that goes for pretty much everyone I work with. We are encouraged to have a human level relationship with each other. So, you know, when somebody has news or a baby or they go away or, you know, or they leave, it's felt like really emotionally, I think, throughout the whole whole company, which is something that I think um, is probably quite unique, unfortunately, but it's just how things should be. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, you're right. That's definitely unique. Um, and it, it's not standalone for sure. There's definitely, I think, other people out there that have transitioned or, or perhaps they're, they're thinking about communicating it to their organization that, that will have a similar experience to you, um, which is great. And I think actually one of the reasons I wanted to have this podcast with you and, and have this chat was because I felt if, if we could get one or, or a handful of MDs or, or HR directors or what have you to listen to this and, and hear some kind of um, ideas and suggestions so that the next time that somebody is transitioning in their organization, they can support them even better than fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember when we, we first talked about doing this podcast, you were like, I'm so sorry, I haven't got any horror stories. And I was like, no, that's great. <laughs> Actually, it's not always about the the kind of things that are really difficult. Um, and obviously, we want to spread as much of that as possible. But you mentioned a minute ago about working with different clients as well. So you had a really great reaction internally which is fantastic um and obviously that was led from the top which is so so important when we think about anything to do with that kind of that approach to culture and and the way in which people are treated um so the client aspect then i'm always really interested in this because a lot of the my clients that i work with we we talk a lot about the internal culture but i also talk about the affiliation and the supplier relationships they have and actually how important that is with regards to diversity and inclusion in general um were there any situations with with suppliers or clients that that have been more challenging or have you just found it the the same across the board well that's that's a good question i mean i have been on the body coach project now for the last two and a half years so Mm. pretty much you know i um i came out to the business i went away for a couple of weeks when i came back i started on this project Mm -hmm. and you know they they are the most wonderful clients. So yeah, I mean, you know, there's always, I think, new moments when you meet new people that, and it's something I'm hyper aware of, and that's, you know, other people wouldn't be because it's, you know, but I can see, I, I, and I can see when people are a little bit like, what, you know, it's a very small, like, facial expression, and they don't realize they're doing it. But I'm hyper aware of it, because I'm always aware of like, do people know what are they thinking you know all that kind of thing but apart from that I mean that's just a natural response I think people are like okay bit confused but whatever (laughs) Um, but yeah and then you know I I have never been misgendered by them ever um you know and they've just been been great um there have been clients over the past where I think you know there could have been I mean I, I probably would have been less comfortable sharing it with them yeah um, you know particularly I think some kinds of corporations or some kinds of relationships you have with people just aren't aren't the same 
so but with with this client it's been it's been great um and i haven't felt the need to you know tell anyone not to say anything or you know i mean my i'm i'm quite open with 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 this you know with my transition and stuff and a lot of people aren't so mm. it would be very different if you spoke to someone who would want to stay stealth for example in which case you would want only the bare minimum of people to know whereas yeah. i'm not you know i'm not like that so yeah yeah my experience is different in that way yeah yeah and i guess that's a good point actually because everybody's experience is completely different yeah um so you know what might have worked for you in your organization and, and the way that say that that instant kind of moment where your md responded in that way instantly kind of helped your shoulders to relax a little bit and for you to go okay maybe maybe actually this is going to be a little bit easier than I thought um and I don't think everybody does have that experience but um yeah I think we'll come back and and kind of circle back to this in a minute because I want to talk a little bit about some kind of um suggestions that you think um have kind of worked for you in your organizations but I think before we get into that I kind of want to dive a little bit into the idea of of you know how misunderstood um trans people are and all of those sorts of things so what's what's the kind of most common misconception that people make about you uh in general oh um (laughs) (laughs) nice easy one for you there (laughs) yeah straight in there um (laughs) misconception wise um you know i'm not sure really um I mean, I mean, you know, I try not to, I try to stay out of a lot of the negative things you see because like you only have to go on like, for example, one news article about a trans athlete, for example, and you'll just get a whole ton of it's a mental illness and, you know, we shouldn't be encouraging it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but personally, I don't, I haven't, apart from reading those things, which I try not to, mm. I haven't really... I don't think had I'm trying to think what misconceptions there could be I suppose um yeah I can't really think of any okay uh, let, maybe we should look at the question in a slightly different way then um mm-hmm. and maybe we can think about what if there was like one thing that you wish people knew about trans people or or about the experience of transitioning um what do you think that would be if you think oh that would really help people to understand the kind of situation a little bit better yeah I mean I think there are some like just practical things that mm-hmm. are you know so small things like going to the toilet that is like <laughs> one of the biggest stresses that, yeah. that I have particularly you know at, at work we have unisex toilets so mm-hmm. it's not a problem sure but if I'm if I'm at a pub I I you know, and you have to go, you know, there's an expectation you go to a specific gendered um, toilet and you're like, do I feel safe in there? And can I go in there? And sometimes I've just not gone because I'm like, I can't, you know, wow. I'll go into a men's loo and there'll only be urinals. And you're like, right, okay, I can't use those. So now I can't go to the toilet. Mm. So I think, you know, and this at work, you know, if, if you can make that space for people to feel comfortable you know, going to the loo, which is a very basic thing. You know, there are certain things like that where it's just the experience is different. Like, you you know, cisgendered people don't have to worry about 
am I going to be able to go to the toilet when I go out? Mm. Whereas, mm. you know, um, lots of trans people do. Or things like, you know, assigned female at birth or, you know, trans masculine, um, transgender males may still menstruate. And then you go into men's toilets and there's no sanitary bins in there. So what do you do? So it's like these kind of practical things that, you know, just, you know, they, they're quite small, but they would just make life so much easier <laughs> for people. Yeah. You know? um, I think that's, that's a big one for me because that has taken me a while to get my head around as well, because, you know, you kind of tie yourself in knots as well around, do I pass enough? to be gendered correctly and not be approached to be in the wrong toilets or do I pass too much that if I continue to use you know the the female toilets that I get called out for being in there and you're constantly mm. in this kind of like well which one do I go I'll just go to the disabled toilets if there is one kind of thing so you know things like that would be really helpful I think um, wow yeah do you know what that it's so interesting because I guess it, when you when you kind of read about um, trans rights or, or when you kind of think about the progression, um, which definitely feels like it's sped up in the last few years, but it's still very much far behind lots of other kind of rights. The toilet thing always comes up and I always think, oh, OK, yeah, that's important. But I guess I never really understood how important that was because it's it yeah it's just so interesting there was something I saw on social media the other day where somebody went to um a client's offices and they actually had one kind of space for the toilets and the signage was fantastic it was so inclusive so it was for every single type of person mm -hmm. um the person that was changing the nappy on the symbol wasn't a woman you know there were some really great things on there and I think that that's, that's really important. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's so, so important, but it's just not something I'm cisgender. So it's not something I have to think about. And, and, you know, I'm quite feminine in the way I look as well. So I don't even ever have to consider that as a general rule, but yeah, really interesting, really interesting. Okay. So then what about some of the kind of positive things that have kind of come from from your transition what do you know or what do you know about yourself now that perhaps you didn't know before um is there anything kind of positive that's come out of this apart from the fact that you can actually be the identity that you you are yeah I mean I think that's it really I mean it wasn't um it's an interesting thing because I think for some people it's a really a you know a moment for sort of celebration or mm you know, it, it's something to, to be proud of. But for me, it just felt like just it's just something that just needed to happen. Do you know what I mean? So it's, you know, it's not something that um, I really celebrate, but it's more like I'm on this path and I need to go on this path. <laughs> you know, perhaps if I was younger and I'd have made, done it then, then it probably wouldn't have got to the point where it felt like that. And maybe it would have felt a bit more like, you know, this is amazing and I feel really great about it. Mm. But also it's a really long process. I mean, I've been transitioning for two years, but I'm nowhere near, you know, the, the, the I mean, I don't know if it ever ends, to be honest. Mm. Um, and, you know, and yeah, so it's, it's a, uh, yeah, I, I think the positive things is, is just not having to think about it, or, you know, all the time having to be like worrying about, 
I need to do this thing, but I don't want to do it. It's done now. I can just get on with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's funny because I'd spend a lot of time um, in a lot of my workshops, especially the early ones with clients, where we're trying to get them to understand the business case of D&I. And, and, you know, we obviously talk about the human aspect, but we're also talking about the fact, you know what, if people can just come into work as themselves, they'll probably do a better job. (laughs) They'll be more productive. They'll be more collaborative. They'll have better outcomes and they'll have a desire to want to do a good job day in, day out, because they're not trying to kind of hide a little bit about themselves or or having to second guess everything and and try and remember what it is that they've kind of um, spoken to different people about and things like that. So I think that that, I mean, it doesn't just go for work, of course, it goes for life as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I think this is a thing as well for me with um, being open about it, because I think if you were, you know, and there are people who prefer to stay stealth and they don't want anyone to know, but the mental overload of that to be mm. like, even now, actually, whenever you do like, um, I mean, I'm, I assume like, you know, you do the, lots of things like this already, but, you know, like when you have a workshop and you do kind of like an energizer or you do like a get to know you thing. And then sometimes you might have bring a picture of you in as a kid and you're like, <laughs> mm, don't want to do that yeah, <laughs> because I don't need people. To, or, or for a long, for a long time, actually recording my voice. I, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to hear it back and I don't, mm-hmm. don't listen to it back. But that kind of like put me off doing a lot of, you know, company wide video Mm. you know meetings and stuff that I just back out of a little bit now because I know they're all recorded Um, but things like that you know I think you know even though I'm really open about it things like that still make me cringe (laughs) like the idea that there's a recording of me like three years ago where my voice is very different or there's a presentation file with my old name on it you you know those kind of things so like completely stealth you would have to be constantly thinking, am I, what am I saying? Am I saying something that might give me away? You know, so I don't have to worry about that bit. Um, and these things, although I, I don't like the idea of them, they don't impact my day-to-day work. You know, I still have lots of meetings. I still do demos every two weeks. I still talk to my clients all the time. Um, but yeah, it's just that when I think about it, I'm like, oh no, I wouldn't, I'm not gonna go back and listen to those recordings. But you know, <laughs> it's, um, it's interesting because obviously there's a, pre-recorded version of me and my working experience in this company and now there's another one and anyone who's followed me through this journey knows Mm -hmm. me both before and after and in some ways that's kind of like good because you know they we can talk openly about these things but in some ways it's like well maybe I would rather they didn't know or they weren't thinking oh you know it's a um as an example, like I think about uh, a year ago with COVID, obviously we weren't meeting anyone. Mm. And then we had, when the lockdown lifted, we had our first face-to-face social with the company. And I was quite worried about that because I'm like, no one's seen me for a year. Mm. And I know they're going to be like, oh, your voice has changed. or Oh, you look a bit different. And even though they don't say those things, I can see it playing out in their faces. Because like I said before, I'm hyper aware yeah, of these tiny nuances. Yeah, so it, that happens, you know, if, if I haven't seen anyone for a long time and then I see them and I'm like, what are they going to, you know, what's their reaction going to be? I mean, it's all been positive, but yeah. Yeah. There's always these mental, constant mental things that are going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if you were, 
it's better that I can talk about those things and I'm not constantly worried about it. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think because it must be exhausting as well to just constantly have to to kind of think around these things so often. One of the words you've mentioned quite a few times, I just want to make sure that it's nice and clear for the uh, viewers, I was about to say, they won't be watching this, the the listeners, uh, (laughs) is the word stealth. Um, Do you think that you can help explain that just for the listeners, just in case it's a word they've never heard before? Yeah, sure. So um, for some trans people, um, they don't they don't want anybody to know that they are trans. So I think once you get to a, um, you know, some people get to a certain point in their transition where they what they call pass, like you will you wouldn't second guess their gender in public, you know, that kind of thing. But mm. once they get to that point, they're like, you know what, nobody needs to know anymore that I'm a trans person and therefore I am not going to tell anyone and I'm going to live in the gender that I want to be and nobody needs to know my past. And, you know, and we call that stealth. So they're now stealth. They don't disclose their status. Yes. Yeah. Which I can imagine for some people is a safety thing because what, you know, you know, that it it can can be extremely unsafe to be a trans person. So you wouldn't want anybody to know. Yeah, um, but I think a lot of people, you know, just on the flip side of that, um, you know, that you don't have to be on hormones or have corrective surgery or, you know, dress a certain way to be you're not more trans than someone else. So I think there is a, a slight danger in that language, whereas you assume that, well, you're not trans unless you go down this path that I've been down. So it's very, it's very, there's a lot of language, I think, that we use in the trans community that can be um, exclusionary, that we shouldn't really be using. So, but still, I think it's important for people to know that there are people who just don't want anyone to know, and that's okay. Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah. And, And that danger thing is so real for so many people, isn't it? And you hear horror stories, unfortunately, in the UK, just as well as other parts of the world. So I can totally understand why some people would would kind of um would want to to not kind of have the trans word attached yeah. to them um but also not just from a danger perspective i'm sure actually just from the way that they feel about themselves and, and what happened oh, but totally. yeah yeah mm. yeah i mean for some people some people are really proud of it of their status other people are like it's not a thing i you know you know like i'm not super proud of it um but i don't mind people knowing Mm. Um, but then some people are like I don't you know this why would I tell anyone I'm no different to anyone else so you know what I mean it's that kind of everyone's different yeah yeah and it's interesting you say you're not proud of it and actually I know you quite well so I know you're quite a private person Mm. Um, so I I kind of get where you're coming from with that and and that kind of thought process yeah (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking as well because you were saying earlier about how there were things recorded three years ago. And I'm just thinking, well, maybe uh, maybe we shouldn't make you listen to this in three years' time. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably won't. We'll, we'll lose it somewhere in the archives, don't worry. I, I trust you to edit it uh, in a nice way. Yeah. Then. <laughs> I'll make sure you never have to hear it after, after, the, after we release it. <laughs> um. I've got I've got a few more things that I'd love to kind of touch base with you on because I think this I mean I I love chatting to you anyway you know that but I think 
that this is such an important topic for for so many different types of people, especially those people that don't really understand um, what it's like to be trans in the working world. So we're talking mm-hmm. obviously specifically about work, but um, I think what would be really good to know, uh, in your opinion, and obviously you're one person, you don't represent every single person um, that is trans, but is there anything that you wish your industry kind of did better to support people uh, from the LGBT plus community, um, or, or maybe you think there's one thing that your industry does better, perhaps than other industries in that respect. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think there are places in the industry that are doing better, and I think they are kind of trailblazing a little bit. And I think, you know, um, us two where I work is one of those um, where DNI is super important, as mm. is, you know the hiring process to make sure it's as inclusive as possible, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think there's a long way to go. I think across the industry as a whole, I think, you know, any, I think it's the case for, you know, any, (laughs) any marginalized group that needs more support. So, so yeah, I think there are, you know, companies that are doing better than others, but it's just, it is great that there are those out in front and paving the way and making sure that, you know, diversity is number one. Like, you know, having a diverse workforce is just, you know, it has so many benefits, as you know. So that's something that is is really important to me as well. It's like I don't want to work places that don't that aren't diverse, you know, because you know, it's everywhere should be. Um mm. but yeah, I mean like, you know, hiring practices, you know, helping people on board, you know, all that kind of thing to make sure it's as inclusive as possible, I think is um really important i think probably the creative industry probably is you know further ahead than others you know i, I you know there's a cr- creative people in general i suppose um should be more open to uh you know wider groups of people um but yeah it's um still uh, obviously there's always a long way to go on these things mm, yeah yeah, it's interesting. One of I I work in some offices where there's some fantastic social enterprises and different charities and stuff, and people just doing really good things for the world. Um, and there's a really great recruitment company there called Found by Few, which I'm sure they're not going to mind me mentioning here. And they do um, a lot of work, not just on that kind of um, creative uh, kind of space with regards to recruitment, but they they really strive to change the face of of the creative industries because. It, it, you know, a lot of the time it's a very similar type of person that is being hired and promoted and, and what have you and kind of in, in the startup spaces and stuff itself. And I've just I've loved watching them grow. I mean, they've grown. Their growth has been fantastic because they they're really about the individual and they're really about changing the way that the creative industry recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also love how much they're learning as well. They're constantly you know, bringing speakers in and experts in all these different areas so that they can make sure that they're keeping their knowledge topped up as well. So I wonder then actually whether there's some work in the creative industry as to be fair with all the industries <laughs> where yeah. it is that let's just have some conversations. Let's just really start to get to hear it from from somebody that's experiencing this particular marginalisation. Um, and I think that is how you breed diversity. That's how you start to really attract different types of people to yeah. to the industries and then like you say i mean yeah. the business case for diversity is 
is you know it's phenomenal it's the data's there you know the the revenue increase and and the retention and all of these fantastic things the customer loyalty and also you know there's a huge percentage of people coming through the talent pool now um in the creative industries as well as some others that they won't like you said like yourself you won't go and work somewhere you won't Mm -hmm. go and take your talent and your potential and and your skills um and your ideas to an organization that isn't diverse and doesn't treat people in that way so it's not just about right now and making sure that companies uh, are doing the right thing and, and being fantastic right now it's actually the future i just don't think those companies are going to last i don't think they, they're going to be able to because millennials are coming through and, and even the the generation that's kind of being built up in schools now they're just not going to want to work for those types of companies that aren't diverse yeah for sure definitely mm-hmm. yeah 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 Okay, so um, I just wanted to ask you just for some kind of advice or some suggestions um, just about um, how organisations can support people that are maybe transitioning or perhaps they're thinking about communicating their transition or or perhaps they've already transitioned and and they want to communicate that with their organisations because I think you've had such a good experience with us too Um, and big shout out to them. I just think it's fantastic the way that they treat the human beings in their organization is, is, is really a lesson to be learned for, for lots of other organizations. But the first thing that I, the first piece of advice I think I'd love to get from you and it's, it's your opinion. So of course, lots of people have different ideas, but how can managers talk about kind of trans uh, issues or conversations about trans issues with their teams? Yeah. I mean, that, one of the things that us two did that I really appreciated was shortly after I came out, they got in, um, I forgot what they're called now. They got in this trans speaker to come in and talk to everybody who worked there about what it felt, what it was like to be trans, how to, you know, how to support trans people, how to use, you know, the correct language and terminology. And they've done a few of those, gendered intelligence, they were called, they came in and they've done a couple of talks. And I felt like, for me, that just took all of the pressure off of me having to do that. And mm. it was like they got someone in and and then, you know, because I feel like some people don't want to have the conversations because they're worried about saying the wrong things or they don't know how to ask a question in a way that they, that they feel like won't be offensive. Mm. So I think they steer away from it and they don't ask. Um, but I think having, you know, the gendered intelligence come in they could ask that person these questions and it wasn't you know it it, it wasn't so such a personal level do you mm. know what I mean like they could ask the hard questions and get the answers so that was really really great for me so I think there are like there are lots of resources and I think it's um you know there are things you can do to 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 learn more about it and and you know the trans experience and, you know, try to be an advocate. And, you know, I think that's the thing. It's kind of like finding finding people who you feel will, would be an advocate for you and help you, you know, help support you. Or, you know, like if you're like, oh, I, I want to I wanna tell someone this, what do you, th- you know, what do you think about it? What, not that you would ask them permission, but, you know, just sort of, it's difficult because I had so much support from everyone. <laughs> that you know I don't know specifically but I think that if you can get just more knowledge on what it's like to live you know as in a different world for example then I think that helps 
um, for for someone who's working somewhere who's thinking about coming out, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 you know trust trust the relationships you have, like your strong strongest relationships you have, and you know and talk to those people first, and they can help support support you in what you need. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love that. I a gendered intelligence as well. Like I love that they've brought these people in because you know, us two then created a safe space for people mm-hmm. to be able to ask those questions. They also took the pressure off you having to be the number one trans expert, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> you you were probably still learning and you probably are still learning now um, about your own experience, but also that of the community in general. So I think it's great that you bring in these, you know, uh, and this is 100% what organizations should be doing is bringing in the experts don't rely (laughs) and don't force that that person or that group of people to be the spokespeople because even if they are comfortable talking about it they don't want to talk on behalf of everyone else that's not really Mm -hmm. how it works and like you said it took the pressure off you which I think is fantastic um and yeah big round of applause for them for doing that such (laughs) a simple thing as well and I think it doesn't just work obviously when we're talking about trans um kind of areas and things like that it works across all of the different marginalized groups. Um, and I'm a big advocate for getting expert speakers in to really kind of open up that conversation and, and create a space where people can ask questions. Um, because especially if it's something that they're not used to talking about on a daily basis, they're gonna be intrigued, they're gonna be curious. And, and then like you said, they're not gonna wanna step a foot wrong and, and mm-hmm. kind of don't ask any questions because they're worried about getting it wrong. So yeah, really love that. Yeah. Okay. So then what piece of advice would you give other organizations um, that are kind of um, working with this? So we've got a really great piece of advice there around bringing in expert speakers. Is there any other kind of advice that you would give to another organization thinking about kind of opening up this conversation? Yeah, I mean, I guess there are, you know, there's the emotional support around these things and to acknowledge, I think that, you know, some somebody who's going through the process of transition or even thinking about coming out are in a very vulnerable space. Yeah. You know, they are putting themselves out there. And for me, that was massive because like you said, I'm a very private person. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, uh, you know, everyone, you know, I'm topic of conversation. I mean, I don't know if that's the case because obviously it, you know, I don't think I <laughs> Yeah, the award didn't help, did it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it felt that way, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think for, you know, even just to recognize that somebody is, is going through big feelings at that yeah. point and they may need some space, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we're a biz- businesses and stuff and, but, you know, I think I, I genuinely think that if people don't have the space to process these things, then you're not going to get out of them what you need yeah. um, as a business anyway, you know, so, you know, give them space, understand that they might need time off for medical reasons. Um, Some people do, some people don't. Um, You know, I've always been very, us two's always been very good to say, you know, if you need time off to go and do whatever, you you know, see a doctor, for example, you can go ahead and do that. So I've not felt like I had to use my holidays or unpaid leave. Like they've been supportive of all of that. Um, And, you know, if we do need, if I ever feel like an, the whole company actually has mental wellness days where if you feel like you need to go away and have self-care, you can. I mean, I know not everybody can do that, but I think there is just something in acknowledging that 
it's a big deal for people to be going through that and they mm-hmm. you know they don't need added pressure of uh, you know performance on top um i think that's the emotional side of it but then i think there's like more of a practical side of things like helping get paperwork sorted out helping change names on pay slips or sorting pension names out which i've not managed to do because the pension <laughs> company are mm. being a pain but you know it's um there's certain things that there's a lot of misunderstanding about what you need in order to change your identity mm. you know lots of people think you need um a gender recognition certificate for example that's not actually the case for a lot of things or some people think you need a um stamp rubber stamped deed poll from a solicitor that also isn't the case but then you end up you know coming up against these gates all the time of people and you have to go in and explain no you don't need to do this so i think there is could be some awareness from from the company to be like you know that help just help <laughs> help get the paperwork sorted out help you know understand that you know gender recognition certificates have a whole hoop hoops to jump through and many years to get one sorted out so do what you can before you even get that you mm. know those sorts of things are really helpful because there is a hell of a lot of paperwork to get sorted out yeah um, yeah yeah that's so interesting i never really thought about the paperwork aspect yeah of course because yeah if you're cisgender you kind of you you've got your birth certificate you've got your passport everything's kind of set up on the name that you already have so yeah interesting okay that's definitely something for me to go away and have a bit of a reflect about and, and hopefully people that are listening to this that's something for them to have a little bit of a think about and one of the things I always talk about in uh, with my clients whether it's in a facilitated session or, or maybe just um, a conversation with the exec or whatever is about this idea that actually ask the person you know what it is that they need because like you've said everybody um who is transitioning or or considering or or they've already transitioned they're going to have very different needs and they're going to want very different levels of support so i think that that's something that your organization did really really well um yeah which i think you'll probably agree yeah (laughs) i'm getting lots of nods people can't hear that but i'm getting lots of nods (laughs) yeah i mean it's um you know it's all been on my own time frame Mm -hmm. like there's never been any pressure to you know I, I just, you know, take things as and when I'm ready for them, you know, and I let them know what's going on. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah, I think I think there is that. Um yeah, not not pressure everyone's everyone's journey is different and everyone's gonna need something slightly different. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that goes with everything. I've just been reading a really great book around hidden disabilities and um and the author's actually gone and spoken to so many, um, tons and tons of people. Um, and actually, at the end of each of the conversations, they've said, okay, so what is it that you can ask for? You know, what would you ask for your organisation to help you? And, and they've given these really great tips at the end for each of these different things. But the whole concept of the book is just treat the individual as an individual. You know, mm-hmm. you, you might think you know everything about this particular topic or, or this particular marginalised group. But actually, you don't because every single person is different. So I think if that's the big takeaway um, from from this conversation that people can take, I think that's a really great one. Um, and the fact that, you know, it doesn't always have to be horror stories. We know that there's some some hideous things that happen out there, but sometimes organisations get it right. Um, and I'm so glad that you're <laughs> one of the people that had that experience because, 
uh, you're my friend and I'm biased. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I do. I think it's great. And I, I hope there's people listening to this now that might maybe go about something slightly differently when uh, when they're kind of um, dealing with conversations around this or, or perhaps even if they're managing somebody that comes to them and says, oh, hi, I'm transitioning, you know, what support mm-hmm. can you give me? They might have a little bit more of an idea now of how they can do that. I've got one last question before I thank you and and we kind of um, sign off, which is what piece of advice would you give to young professionals who are transitioning or or who have transitioned? Uh, Young professionals. Um, Yeah, that's a, I think, I think what I'd say to young professionals, I think is, you know, if you get any kind of warning bells or anything in the in the hiring process or when scoping out where to work or who to work with, trust your gut and you know. Uh, sorry, <laughs> looking for onesies. <laughs> oh, that's that's the little one. Yeah. <laughs> the real life of working from home. <laughs> yeah, but you can chop that bit out. <laughs> I might um, not. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think that's it. I think you know when you're young. I mean, thinking back a long time ago, for me, <laughs> um, you know, you kind of, especially when you're trying to get into a new um, career, and I think sometimes you feel like you have to take a substandard experience just to get on the ladder. Mm. And I really hope, and I feel like things are changing now, and there are more opportunities, and that people wouldn't have to do that. I mean, I know that's an idealistic point of view, but I feel like there is something in trusting your gut and knowing that whether it's right or not, you know, because, you know, if you're if you're also having to deal with, you know, not being cisgendered or, you know, in any kind of group that, you know, a small group of people, then you're like, that's just something on top of that as well. You know, so also like chat to people who work there. Um, I think the other thing is like just in general support wise outside of you know the working world as well like there are loads of support groups and you know social meetups and stuff and if you can get to those then you know you can talk to those people about their experiences in working in certain places and you know get guidance I suppose from there yeah, yeah I think the main thing is you know yeah those if you get any alarm bells then trust your gut and move move. (laughs) yeah you're normally right yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um oh oh listen thank you so so much i i've got like 10 new ways that i can have a conversation around this now and some really great tips that i can take forward but i've i've loved this and i think you know, I know you're a private person. I know you don't <laughs> want to be the spokespeople for, for kind of trans uh, awareness and things like that. But I do think it's really helpful to hear from somebody that has and is going through mm-hmm. the transition period. Um, and I've certainly learned a few new things and, and hopefully our listeners have as well. But thank you so, so much. it what a fantastic podcast um hopefully you enjoyed that as much as we did and you've taken away uh, as many tips and suggestions as we have to support people in your organization who are transitioning uh, regardless of which part of the journey they're at at the moment um we loved having this conversation if you want to have 
more conversations like this uh, or you want to just talk about your DNI learning in general, then get in touch with us or go and have a look at our website, which is zingrevolution.co.uk. Thanks. We'll see you on the next one.